0: Hey folks, happy Monday and welcome to the podcast. This episode isn't an episode of the Whitfield Report, but rather this is an episode of a group podcast that I do called the American Watchmen Roundtable, which is co-hosted by my American Watchmen colleagues Joshua Johnson, Adam Hill, and Gabe Ike Boney. Uh, we actually launched this podcast last year in 2018, but it never like got off the ground. Uh, so around September of this year, we kind of decided to take a hiatus and uh, rework some things and whatnot. Um, but we relaunched uh, the podcast this previous Sunday and um, we think it's going to work well. I streamed, the podcast live on my YouTube channel, The Whitfield Report. So that's probably where we're going to do the podcast. Uh, but as far as the audio podcast goes, in the future we will have uh, our own podcast feed for The American Watchmen Roundtable. But in the meantime, uh, I wanted to feature this episode of The American Watchmen Roundtable as a bonus episode of The Whitfield Report podcast just as kind of a little uh, teaser trailer for you guys. So I hope you enjoy the show and uh, stay tuned to this feed for Thursday's uh, audio podcast episode. Thanks, guys. Enjoy and God bless. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the American Watchmen Roundtable. I am uh, one of your co-hosts, uh, Sam Field, broadcasting live here in Florida. And uh, we're doing this stream from my uh, YouTube channel because the American Watchmen um, uh, YouTube channel is unavailable right now. So without further ado, I'll allow my... Uh, Kyle to introduce themselves, starting with uh, Adam.
1: Hey, this is uh, Adam. I'm a founder and co-editor of American Watchmen.
0: And uh, Gabe.
2: Oh, I'm Gabe, and I'm also a, a founder and uh, editor of American Watchmen.
0: And last but not least, our, uh,
1: our good friend, Mr. Uh, Josh. And I am our... Uh... Also, a founder and co-editor of American Watchman.
0: So, folks, usually we do this uh, podcast once a week on Sundays over on our uh, over on our own channel at American Watchman. Uh, but, like I said, our channel is shut is kind of shut down, just like the uh, federal government is uh, tonight. So, uh, without further ado, let's move right into that topic, shall we? Uh, what are you... Th- I guess wants to take the uh, first stab at the shutdown, what, what are you guys' current takes on it? I mean,
2: I can kind of jump into this one, you know. Um, <sighs> honestly, I don't, I don't see the shutdown as a bad thing. I mean, I know a lot of people do, but I mean, I just love how you get to see the hypocrisy of the left in this shutdown, because when the shutdown happened during Obama, it wasn't Obama's shutdown, it was the Republican shutdown. And now, when the Democrats control the House, now it's suddenly not their shutdown, it's Trump's shutdown. I so mean, that, that That's my take on it.
0: Yep. I will just uh, add, too, that I love how the Dems are also making this all about, well, Trump. Uh, wants to harm uh, children. When I played clips of Trump's speech on my own podcast, uh, the Whitfield Report last night, and Trump clearly says in that speech that he wants to uh, protect children, both, uh, you know, Hispanic and uh, American, from the drug cartels who use children uh, to to smuggle drugs. But the left always completely just uh, abandons that point all the time.
1: I guess I'll be the the sole defector here, and I guess I'll kind of uh, call it Trump shutdown still. But I think that's a good thing because uh, I I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of Republicans going to uh, Washington and then constantly letting Democrats walk all over them. So Trump actually taking a stand for getting the wall built and fulfilling a campaign promise is a plus in my book.
0: Oh yeah, I, there's no there's no doubt about that. I said I said last night that we need the wall one hundred percent.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with you all. I think I think if anything, this shows that Trump is really the only serious Republican on immigration. I, I mean I think you could make... I, I, I think you could make the argument that Republicans made when Obama was in office about how in 2009 and 2010, Democrats never passed immigration reform. But in the two years that Republicans had the White House and Congress, they did absolutely nothing on the wall.
1: I'm sorry, but is somebody crunching a candy wrapper? I, th- I think that was
0: Adam, but. But, uh, yeah, I mean, getting back to the subject at hand, Trump really is the only, I mean, I guess now he is a politician. But, I mean, really he's been, he's really been the only figure within the past five years to really make uh, immigration a serious topic. I mean, immigration, if we think back to the uh, 2016 election, uh, immigration wasn't even on the table as a main topic prior to Trump entering the race and causing the major, uh, you know, crap storm that he did in terms of uh, perception and whatnot. And I mean crap storm in like a good way in the sense that he shook things up uh, in terms of the narrative. He made immigration a central focus Um the, fa- the fact that people are saying that he's shutting down the government over immigration they see as unnecessary, but my question is how, uh, how much longer can we keep uh, uh, pushing this subject to the back of the uh, boilerplate, so to speak? Um, I think we're out of time and I think Trump knows we're out of time too on this issue.
2: I, th- I, I I think Trump just doesn 't want to kick the can down the road anymore
0: right. To be honest
2: be- I, I think it speaks yep. at some, i th- I think it speaks at some level to the fact that trump doesn 't trust his own party to actually even if they give him a bill to sign um the 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 logic of the media is oh it 's Trump, oh he can 't decide, oh you know his inner circle doesn 't know what he 's thinking, but I think that speaks more of the fact that trump doesn 't trust his own party. To actually handle the issue well, because if they kick the can down the road and they do one of the things they've talked about, which is fund everything except the Department of Homeland Security and only fund the Department of of Homeland Security until February, so they then have like a month or two to negotiate it. I think it speaks to the fact that Trump doesn't trust his own party to actually get him any better of a deal, because what will happen is they'll talk about it for a couple months. Pelosi won't budge. Schumer won't budge. And McConnell will have to pass a bill, which basically is the same thing that, that Democrats are offering now, which gives nothing to Trump or or his base.
1: I I would add in two things. I I think you're right that he can't trust his own party. Uh, specifically because what reason would Trump have to trust Republican leadership on this issue? They've frequently chosen in the past to either cave in completely like when Reagan decided to grant one last, quote unquote, one last amnesty, or uh, they tend to kind of play this game where they'll leave the issue open ended for as long as possible instead of actually acting on it, because they know they can use that to mobilize a base that doesn't agree with them on much else when it comes election time. The second thing, which I think you might find more interesting, Gabe, is uh, if you look at the the map specifically for Texas, uh, the the Cruz versus O'Rourke map. Mm-hmm. If you look at the counties that uh, O'Rourke won. Uh, it. I, I was talking about this with a friend of mine from Texas the other night, and she sent me these the the pictures of these maps, and I said to her, "It almost looks like a map of the invasion, where you can kind of see the." the front line sort of advancing. And I think that that ties into what we said about Trump, knowing we've sort of run out of time because we can't allow, I think it was, what, 25,000 people a week coming in across the border without it seriously impacting the demographic makeup of our country and specifically altering the way our, the way our elections play out. Right. So.
2: Well, I think it's already significantly impacting the way our elections play out.
0: And that, and just to clarify for the for the audience watching, uh, that this in no way translates to us wanting an ethno state, because I mean that's that's the argument that a lot of
1: people in the in the media jump to that if you're if you're for a wall, you're also there's a there's a difference there's a difference between saying that ethnicity becomes the sole qualification for citizenship and saying that a native-born population shouldn't be a minority in their own country.
0: Well, right. I, I, I agree completely, Josh. But, I mean, the left the left makes that, uh, you know, mental gymnastic connection almost instantly when talking about this subject. If, if, you, if you're for immigration, uh, if you're for stricter immigration policy or rather stricter immigration enforcement, you must also be... For a white ethno state or some crap like that, which is nonsense, uh Trump specifically said that he, that he still wants to allow you know people to immigrate to this country legally. We just can't have hordes and hordes of uh migrants hopping over the fence quite literally illegally, so um, Josh, one thing I did want to ask you about in regards to our uh, Trump speech, you said you thought the, uh, I think you said the other night on Facebook that you thought the
1: speech was a little underwhelming or was that? some? I thought the speech was good, but I don't, I don't think that Trump, I don't think his delivery was good because it seems like when you try and tie him down and hold him to the script, it, he's hes much better at his rallies than he was on television that night. My immediate uh, reaction to a friend of mine was that I think this is the first time I've ever seen a speech where somebody was looking dead on in the camera and I didn't feel like they were looking at me. Uh, and, and the thing about it, that's funny about it is that even, even with the the flawed delivery, uh, somehow Chuck and Nancy managed to manage to do even worse. So, you know, even, even with the flawed delivery, it, it was, it was clearly superior than, than her slurring and slur and uh, slushing her words around and offering no real plan beyond uh, get rid of all your leverage for us to negotiate with you and then then we'll do what we want.
2: Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, any I mean, fundamentally, for for Trump to back down would be at this point would mean he loses all leverage. I mean, so I mean, he's he's dug into his position. Um, so I mean. for Trump to back down at this point, it doesn't, won't, won't do him any favors in terms of getting what he wants.
1: I I will say, uh, from the news coverage angle, it, it, and maybe, I don't know how this is for you guys and other voters, but, uh, for me, I don't, I, I, it, it kind of pulls at my heartstrings. Some of the federal workers, I know the other night I made a post about the FBI and I've made comments about the TSA and some of those, but I'm I'm not referring to those types of people so much. Uh their lack of funding right now doesn't bother me because I don't think it's near as big a deal as the media makes it out to be. But uh some of, when you when you see the stories about people calling the mortgage company or whatever and they're being turned down and they're selling everything, that kind of gets at me. But at the other hand, on the on the other hand, you have to and, and people who watch this and and feel that way like I do while watching the news have to understand that if we have mass, uh, if we have open borders and mass migration, it's going to hurt a lot more than just 5,500 federal workers. It's going to hurt people who are already hurting year round with or without the shutdown across the country who do get their paychecks and still struggle to make ends meet because they can't compete in a market where uh, legal immigrants artificially drive down wages.
2: Well, it's just, it's going to, it's going to, Partly building on that, Josh, is it's just going to create more poverty in general because the jobs that these that immigrants, whether they're legal or illegal, are going to fill are are low skilled job, are low skilled labor where they make minimum wage or barely above it because they don't have any marketable skills. So, you know, great, they're making eight bucks an hour, but, you know, eight bucks an hour is not going to afford the rent,
0: Well, well, not just that, but people are talking how, you know, how the federal workers are out of of work right now uh, and how negative that is. And like Josh said, I I feel for some of these uh, federal workers, no doubt. But a lot lot of them at the end of the day are also uh, paper pushers and bureaucrats. Uh, That's not to say that they don't, you know, deserve... A living too, if they've you know applied for the job and
1: worked at it, but at the same time, um, it's 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 kind of like this. During the Great Depression, if you were rich and the and the stock market collapsed, then yeah, it hurt you, but it doesn't quite hurt you like it hurt somebody who had little to no money to begin with. So if you're if you're somebody who's a elite federal bureaucrat already, odds are you're going to be able to handle going off of work for two, uh, for two weeks much longer than uh, somebody who struggles even when they are getting a paycheck in the well, middle of the country. Well, um, well
0: exactly. The, the other thing, too, is the problems that Trump is trying to address with immigration are issues that don't affect them anyway. So it's not like this affects them all that much in the long run individually.
2: Yeah. I mean, they'll get back pay. It, it's, it's, it's almost a guarantee. They,
1: they they do get back pay. And then I'm not sure for like the park workers, but I know for a fact that people who are in the IRS and uh, more office oriented jobs, they not only get the back pay, but they'll more than likely end up having to say, well, we fell behind during these last 21 or 22 or 23 days or whatever. Uh, yep. We now to work overtime. So they'll collect some overtime pay on top of that.
2: Yep. Yeah. And the thing is that, uh, while I feel for for federal workers. If you miss a mortgage payment, you're not gonna you're not gonna get evicted from your house. I mean, it, it takes multiple mortgage payments for that to happen. You'll be assessed a fee, but y- people aren't losing their housing because of this crisis or because of this shutdown in in a mass way, which I think is what the media is inferring. Is go, is going to happen or is happening?
1: They they they've kind of grabbed at straws the way they've they've pulled the the way they've covered this because at first it was that the, the that Trump the Grinch, right before Christmas was like the Grinch stealing Christmas or something was what one headline said, and then firing came to uh, the other country, that uh, that Trump was not funding. The, uh, law, they said Trump wasn't funding law enforcement because the FBI wasn't getting funded. Well, big whoop, most people are, more, are are counting on their local sheriff and police departments for their protection more than they are the FBI. Right. Okay.
0: Well, and I, I saw some ridiculous uh, mental gymnastic from some columnist, I think it was in the New York Times, or maybe it was HuffPo. They wrote something about how, you know, Trump is... Trump is shutting down the FBI just so that you know Mueller can Mueller won't be able to nab him or something like that. You know that so you know there are some people who are trying to tie this back to the ridiculous you know
1: Trump Russia scandal um, and in air quotes. So. Here's a real interesting question: I wonder how many of these because uh, because a lot of these uh, big media corporations are owned by the same. A uh, small handful of companies or families. I wonder how how their coverage of it. They're always so anti-Trump uh, that it makes you wonder. Is that because the companies that own these media outlets might be losing out on federal subsidies during these? Shutdowns? Yeah,
0: yeah, it could, it could be that. But at the same time, I mean, they've also got to be loving this because it gives them the excuse to write whatever they want and. Create a big media frenzy, which I mean they do anyway on a daily basis. But I mean now they're really going to town on it. So
2: well, it gives it gives them a chance, just a virtue signal. I mean that that's in essence is what this shutdown boils down to is just virtue signaling for
0: everybody. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good
1: estimation. Here's a good question, Gabe. How long do you think we can go on this one?
2: <laughs> you mean on the <laughs> shutdown one?
1: Huh? What you-,
2: you mean on the shutdown?
1: Yeah, on the shutdown. I, yeah.
2: I, I think what will eventually happen is that uh, that it will reach a critical mass where basically both parties um, throw up throw up their hands and eventually come to some sort of compromise. But I think it will take – I, I think it would be both parties actually just revolting against their leadership. So I think it would be Republicans revolting against Trump, but I think it would also be Democrats revolting against Nancy Pelosi and their excuse would just be, Well, we had to open the government. So I mean I don't I don't see leadership doing anything in it. And the the you guys know that Mitch McConnell the the background in the shutdown is McConnell tried to send Trump a bill and Trump vetoed it. Uh, I think McConnell yeah. knows that this is going to drag on for another month. And then eventually leadership is just going to get thrown overboard. And that's why he's not doing anything because he knows that's what's going to happen. So why should he act like Trump and Pelosi and act like they know what the heck they're doing when, when basically the rank and file are going to get so ticked off, they're going to just give leadership a middle finger. I, I, I think I think that's what's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen for at least another few weeks.
1: I saw the other day they had a headline on the Hill, and I was actually impressed with McConnell for once in my life. And uh, I, I was impressed because he had apparently blocked several bills to try and reopen the government. Mm-hmm. And I'm impressed to see him following the White House's direction on that, but.
2: Well, I think he's also in his own way, I think he's, he's amping up that pressure for there to be a bunch of lawmakers who basically just get so frustrated that they come to a compromise. Because the thing is, if McConnell lets those bills come through and they go to Trump, Trump looks bad if he vetoes them, but the pressure to actually have some sort of compromise pop up lessens because fewer departments are closed. So, you know, the damage is lessened. So I think in his own way, because I've read stories where McConnell has been criticized for not doing anything. I think McConnell knows that something's going to happen regardless, but it won't happen sooner if he actually moves on all these small little bills.
0: I, uh, I actually have breaking news for you guys, um, or rather, uh, breaking news by Instagram. Uh, Dan, Dan uh Crenshaw from Texas just posted um, to his Instagram and to his Twitter. He says, "I cannot, in good conscience, get paid while federal employees' financial futures hang in balance because of this partial government shutdown." That's another thing I wanted to bring up: is Congress <laughs> is still getting paid while this is going on, so it's not like a complete shutdown.
1: But anyway, yeah, so is so is the military I'm all. Except for the Coast Guard, all the other military is still
2: getting paid regularly. He says, "Yeah,
0: uh, yeah so he Dean says." So he says, "I've asked this chief administration officer to withhold my pay until we have come to an agreement to adequately fund border security." So, I mean, I I just that just got sent to me. Um, I guess the most is two hours old, but still, it's you know relatively breaking news. I think. You know, that's the other thing that a lot of people are missing out is Congress is still getting paid and whatnot. So, this isn't a complete shutdown in that sense.
2: No, I but, mean, it, it's it's a I mean, it's a partial shutdown. Um,
1: I guarantee you, well, I, they would figure out a way to open the government again if the military wasn't getting paid. I guarantee you that they would they yeah. would very quickly find something because the soldiers wouldn't put up with that for very long but yeah but
2: they they also i mean it, it they also have found workarounds for things like ensuring that food stamp benefits go out as well so i mean it it's not as it's not as it's i honestly think at this this point even though it's been a partial shutdown for three weeks a lot of it is just the perception that the government is shut down in reality a lot of the primary governmental programs big or small they haven't, been, they haven't been affected on, on a nationwide level. I mean, it's true, like, government contractors aren't getting their reimbursements and grants are not being processed for science and new loans for agriculture are not getting processed. But on a systemic level nationwide, a lot of the major programs are still running.
1: Funnily enough, the IRS is not considered essential in terms of pay, they do have, they did have a plan, but their plan only their their contingency plan only lasted for about two weeks. So they've now had to begin uh, rethinking what they're going to do going forward from here. Um, the 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 consensus that I'm seeing is they might have IRS workers come in without pay. Uh, for yeah, now, they will continue to accept. Like we 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 could already start filing tax returns. It's just that yeah. you're not going to be getting your refund anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and I mean, you guys know they work at a nonprofit. That that is one of those things. That some of our clients rely on those tax returns because um, they're low income, so they're going to get refunds on their earned income tax credit. A lot of them have already filed, so they're just waiting on the refund. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, this shutdown, this partial shutdown, really has not. It's more the perception of the damage that it's creating than it actually has created a lot of damage. I mean no. I, I, I was reading an article the other day that said, "Are you missing your government yet? And I don't think a lot of people are actually missing their government yet.
1: I don't, I don't think people are are it, it, as long as the, the vital parts of it, like we just discussed, are still functioning. People will be fine. It's it's when, for example, the military and the police stop getting paid, or when your your food stamps or whatever get cut off, that you start right. seeing Greek levels of you know people throwing fire bottles on the street. Uh, but we're not close to that yet,
2: right? And I and I think that's why neither side has moved in, in terms of ne- negotiations. I mean, like I said before, this this shutdown can essentially be. I mean, it, regardless of your position on it, this this shutdown is basically it, entirely virtue signaling um, because Democrats used to be for, for the wall before Trump was elected and Republicans used to support border security until Trump got elected. And then they were just like, we're not going to worry about it. We're going to focus on other stuff. So, I mean, at its core, until uh, I think those big... Those big impacts of of a government shutdown, whether it be food stamps or Medicare um, reimbursements not going out to doctors, until we see something like that, I really don't see an impetus for either side to back down because they lose more than they gain.
1: A lot of the media coverage is focused on how the shutdown is costing a lot of money, Um, but I think that's sort of – that sort of explains why the media obsesses and focuses over it so much. It's not just the, the anti-Republican bias that's always been there that they think they can pin it on us like always. But uh, it also, I think, has to do, as we've kind of discussed on other topics, the fact that so many media jobs are centered around New York and Washington, D.C. now, uh, where all the, where, you know, where the affluent live. It's it's resulted in if they lose money or if it affects them in their little neighborhood, they make it out as though it's hurt, hurting everybody nationally, even though people in the middle of the country that they usually don't even think about might not even notice. It, I I if I don't know if that makes sense. No, that, no,
0: no, it makes it makes a complete sense. Well, it, uh, it
1: affects them. It affects them on a daily basis. It doesn't affect normal people in the middle of the country, but because it affects them and they all live, the the entire media complex is centered around these few huge cities now. They make it out like it's a national problem affecting everybody when it really isn't.
0: Well, well, they're oblivious to the fact that people live uh, elsewhere in the country. They think everyone lives in giant metropolitan cities, maybe not like... Consciously but subconsciously that's what they seem to think, it seems. So
2: well, I I think it just it slants it it definitely slants the, the coverage. But I mean, you know, again in terms of the impact, it really just hasn't impacted a lot of the country. I mean, it, it's. I mean, think about it this way. Like Josh said, if a lot of if a lot of media jobs, and they are, are focused say on the East Coast, the Pacific Coast, they're going to be the ones who are going to see all these federal workers who are furloughed. But do, do you think somebody in like Montana is going to see any of these workers or feel any kind of impact from it? No. So, I mean, I, I guess my question to you guys would be, um, what what would it take to end this
1: shutdown? Uh, Democrats giving us $5 billion to build the wall. <laughs> you <mean> $5 billion? <laughs> so, yeah, You know what I mean. However much it takes, give me yeah. my money to build the wall. But uh, um, I, I'd be interested in seeing what happens if the president just went ahead and declared the national. I know there are a lot of Republicans that would be mad about it on the precedent deal. But I, I wonder... How the Democrats would well, first off, they'd try and have the I believe it's the Ninth Circuit Court that always screws us. I think yeah, they just have, take us to court. Yeah, they just take us to court. But I wonder how the congressional leadership would immediately react if they would keep keep the government shut down for as long as the court proceedings take place, or, or what their plan would be from then. But
2: well, I mean, I I think what well, I mean, from a political side, it's a winner. I I think it's a winner for for ever for Republicans because in the and it, it might be a winner for Trump too because remember one of Trump's talking points is how there are Obama judges and there are, uh like Bush judges and conservative and liberal judges uh, i think if it, if that happened if he did declare an emergency and it got struck down in court it would just fit his narrative of the 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 courts are against me and against america and and it would give Trump something to rail about, and he could then point to twenty twenty and go, "If you get me reelected, I'll appoint more judges that will actually you know back me up when I do stuff on immigration mm-hmm. so I mean it, uh, if I were one of Trump's advisors, that would be the message I would be selling him really, really hard. And it would be the message I would also be conveying to all these Republican congressmen and senators who have sort of given the cold shoulder to to this idea of an emergency.
1: Here, here's a question. Here's a maybe side question. But um, do you buy, Gabe, do you buy that it's just precedent that keep some of these Republicans uh, against the idea of a national emergency like Mitt Romney or Ben Sass? Or do you think. As I sometimes kind of wonder that they really do, at, at the, t- two different reasons they might oppose it besides that. One, they are ideologically committed to open borders like, say, Mitt Romney because they directly profit off of it and they believe that, that people and labor and capital should be free to move all over the world. Or uh, in a more cynical sense, like perhaps, uh, I don't really want to blame McConnell after just pra- pra- praising him, but I'll use him as the example or do you think that some some top republicans are against it because they're afraid of losing one of those issues that the out of touch donor class that runs the party can use to try and motivate people during elections
0: i would certainly say it's that second option for me josh i think that like i think that a lot of republicans although they may be ideologically with trump i think a lot of them are maybe af- afraid or scared of pissing off their uh special interest donor uh super,
2: yeah super. I, I agree I, th- I think it's i think it's the second one because as long as you don't do anything on it you don't anger that you don't anger the donor class but you also keep the issue alive during during election season so you can get your your base to turn out especially your blue your blue collar base I I don't know how long that strategy is gonna work though, because I I don't think that strategy worked in twenty eighteen. I think they gained they lost more than they gained from that strategy. So I don't think doubling down on it is gonna work. They're gonna have to pick one or the other eventually because you can't you can't keep this going in perpetuity.
1: They have to they have to pick one another because drum roll please, Josh's realignment theory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I agree, and i I think we saw it, uh, it significantly in the midterms is that the the the, the paradigm that the, the the I think the the perception of the parties, it, um, that Republicans are for the rich and Democrats are for the poor. Republicans are the party of the rich. Uh, I think that in reality, it shifted. Democrats are now the party of the rich. I mean, just look at just look at the zip codes that they won last year compared to the zip codes the Republicans won.
1: Speaking speaking as somebody from a long line of Dixiecrats who joined the Republican Party. Uh, I I would I would argue that we've sort of been slowly moving towards this since at the earliest, the 1964 and at the latest in the 1990s, because for a long time, it it seems like there I'll, I'll put it this way. When I was growing up. Uh, my dad would when I was a very little kid, so he wasn't describing politics to me in a complex way. But, you know, I'd be sitting there on the floor. We, The family would be mm-hmm. watching Fox News. Bill O'Reilly was what we watched all the time. And I would play, be playing with my toys while my parents watched that. And then sometimes I might look up and say, what are Democrats and Republicans, mommy and daddy? And, uh, <laughs> it would be explained to me. He always explained it to me that the Republican Party. And remember, this was like during when George Bush was president still. He would explain it to me that the Republican Party is the party for working for working people. And the Democrats are a party of uh, snob, snobby, snooty elitists who look down on us. And uh, that was and, and he also named a few of uh, a few people that we knew around here that we didn't like as examples. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, And it drove that point home for me. But uh, for a while, though, I mean, I think that just speaks to the fact that we've slowly been moving towards this where where there are almost two parties. There's the leadership and then there's the actual membership and voting base of the party. And they've been out of sync for a while now. And, And 2016 was just sort of the kind of the Titanic starts to hit the iceberg. And now it's slowly begun sinking kind of point.
0: Well, and here's a point that a friend brought up to me the other night. Josh, and I figured that this might be particularly interesting to you. It almost seems as if the government, in terms of um, how things are run, isn't so much run by our, our elected leaders now, so much that we elect during elections, but that uh, my consensus is that we've kind of been managed by
1: uh, bureaucrats that work behind desks now. like. DC well, the- it's the managerial class, and that exists in both the public and private sector. It's these people that go and they get the, they get all their credentials, their little ducks in a row. They check those boxes off. And regardless of, of whether or not they have the skill or the experience, because they've, they've, they've sort of got their social credit card or whatever you want to call it, they've, they've got the social criteria. They get into these positions like Mark Zuckerberg or whoever, and then they have the power to control your life. Whether that be as a government bureaucrat or as some Silicon Valley titan who uh, increasingly says, oh, well, you know, you you have social views that we don't like, so we're not going to allow you to earn money on Patreon or we're going to kick you off of Facebook and Twitter or whatever. Yeah. And in fact, class that spreads across government and private sector.
0: It's funny that you mentioned that, Josh, because right as you were saying that about Silicon Valley, I was just, uh, typing without a live chat, just to make sure that everyone got notifications that this live stream was in fact alive because, uh, some, uh, alternative media channels that I subscribe to have not been getting, uh, notifications. I just want to uh, remind everyone watching that if you're not getting notifications, make sure that the, uh, Bell is checked on YouTube as well. That way you'll actually be able to see this. Um, and for those of you just joining, we're we're talking about the shutdown uh, as a broader topic. So uh, anyway, back to what you were saying there, Josh.
1: I kind of finished my point, so I, I'll just let you guys kind of bounce off from there. So,
0: um, yeah, I mean, certainly what I... I guess now would be a good time to move into what we would like to see resulting from this shutdown. Certainly for me, I would like to see the border wall become a reality. And like, uh, I think it was uh, Josh that said, I would, you know, we would both like the Dems to give us $5 million to build the thing and make the wall. $5 billion. <laughs> but yeah, $5 billion. But... Uh, It's not going to, uh, I don't know if it's going to happen to happen.
1: I, I would like to see it at least be started. And I don't like saying this because I plan on voting for Trump again in 2020. Um, but I, I think that was his key campaign promise. That's what he really kind of became known for. And I think that's why, as Gabe mentioned, he's drawn his line in the sand because he can't trust the the mainline Republican Party leadership to actually do anything on this. Uh, because I think for him, and Ann Coulter hammers at him, and he, she's one of the very few people Trump follows on Twitter, and she hammers almost daily that she puts out her old tweet saying, "Wall miles of wall built today is zero, next update tomorrow. And she'd been pushing and pushing and pushing leading up to this, and I think for Trump it really came down to If I don't at least do something to get started on this wall, it could very seriously jeopardize my chances at winning again in 2020.
0: Well, I mean, Trump has Trump has other things he has to deal with, too. The wall is certainly a a big thing. The other the other thing is not to change topics too much. But we I've discussed this on other episodes of The Whitfield Report and other podcasts I've been on. Uh, the other thing that is not helping Trump is some of these MAGA celebrities or uh, these super maga uh celebrities who just go out <laughs> and do stupid stuff at rallies um, in the name of Trump. That's, certainly I not helping us with all of the publicity stunts, so... Um, but that's another topic for another time, maybe, so...
2: I would, I would say, if we're going to get anything out of this, I mean, m- my hope is, I mean, I don't know if a wall is effective or not, but I, I feel like this entire, this entire saga is representative of the fact that America doesn't want to have a serious conversation about this, and that we're so serious about not having a serious conversation about this that we're willing to have a government shut down and let the major parties just virtue signal this issue to death. We America needs to have a serious conversation, A, about what it means to be an American, B what it means to be a melting pot, and what and whether as Josh you've you've said before, whether Americans are comfortable with the idea of having not necessarily a certain race be a minority in the country, which is, is what it gets boiled down to, which is ridiculous in my mind, but whether America is comfortable having a majority of people be in this country who are not native-born Americans. And we, like I said, we are so not serious about discussing this conversation that we have serious conversations about a government shutdown. That that, I, that that tells you how misguided the priorities are.
1: I'm glad that you brought that up because I think I think excuse me, I've I've struggled with phlegm in my throat for a while now, the last two weeks. Um, but uh I, I think that what kind of ties into your point, Gabe, if I can find out how I want to say this, we're not really it doesn't seem like we're one country anymore. And there have been articles written about this ad nauseum. I know I kind of constantly hint at it uh, when I talk about, you know, my my birthplace in Iowa and, and our, our our congressman in the district over there and the way the media treats him. But somebody or, or you know, even the gal we were talking about before we went on air, who I uh, had had that that uh, person I know from California. We've had very intense, more intense political discussions and debates than I usually have with anyone and it and 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 I've seriously thought several times: Is this person on another planet? And and I don't think I'm the only one who gets that, uh, you know, impression. Being from the Midwest, talking to somebody from California or New York, uh, the the culture and the and the viewpoints and and the way that you know, as you mentioned, we think about what it means to be an American has has become so radically different depending on what region of the country you're in. That it doesn't feel like we are really one country anymore. If that makes any sense?
2: No, it does. So, yeah, I mean it. it, it I mean, essentially, it, it boils down to my hope is that this that this makes Americans wake up and have a serious conversation about it, and be able to talk about it without just saying that you're a blanket racist or or you don't you don't like diversity or don't want to embrace it i mean those are the simple answers that unfortunately breed the kind of division that we have in this country. There's nothing wrong with saying that you want to celebrate your ethnic history and that you believe that a majority of Americans should be native-born Americans. You're not saying kick every non-native-born non American out of the country, but you are fundamentally expressing an idea that you believe in. It's not racist. It's not majority white. It's not majority black. But it's a valid opinion to have. But when somebody calls you a racist for it, it basically shuts you down and ends the conversation and breeds the division that ultimately leads to something like we're experiencing now. And, and the political discourse now is just basically if you're for the wall, you're a racist. And if you, if you are against the wall, you're, you're against border security and, and stopping illegal aliens from, from killing people. It, it's, it's an incredibly oversimplified argument that just goes nowhere.
1: The next episode of the American Watchmen podcast, are we near having our own version of the caning in the halls of Congress? <laughs> I, I think <don't laughs> we the only one who gets that reference, because that's like my favorite little episode out of American history. I, I'm amazed they haven't made a movie out of it yet, because I just love reading about it. It seems like it would be great for a movie if they could find some way to drag it out.
2: Uh, oh citizen Kane goes to Washington.
1: No no I mean I mean the caning of Charles Sumner. Oh it was he was a he was a abolitionist senator I forget which state he's from. Uh but he basically gave a speech that he was warned even by other abolitionists not to give uh where he accused uh uh I forget the name of the senator the particular senator but he accused a southern senator of basically liking slavery so he could sleep with the slaves. And uh, oh. this, another one, another Southern senator by the name of Preston Brooks was the cousin of the guy that he accused of in that speech. And he felt uh, per per his role as a Southern gentleman, he felt like his family's honor had been besmirched. And he consulted with a few of his other Southern senators. And the, the conclusion they made was that, uh, you know, this guy, his language isn't isn't becoming a gentleman. So he's not worthy of having a gentleman's, you know, 10 pistols at 10 paces duel. You're just, you just have the right to go up to him and and give him hell. And so Preston Brooks walks into the Senate one day, has a big, you, you've you seen him in the movies, the old 19th century kind of heavy walking. Uh, and the, the, the Senate desks back then were bolted to the ground. So if somebody came at you, you weren't going to be able to just jump up out of your chair and slide away. And so he, uh, Preston Brooks, walked up to him and just clubbed him over the head with it. And went nuts and just kept beating him with his cane until the thing finally snapped in half. While another Southern senator drew his gun on the Senate floor and stood there making sure nobody intervened. And uh, ultimately, Sumner's laying there a bloodied mess on the floor. I think he leaves his duties from the Senate for like four years. And that's one of the, the pivotal moments leading up to the Civil War because of this kind of cultural divide between those two different parts of the country. And that sort of exemplified it.
0: Hey Josh, I'm I'm in a uh, I'm in a Discord right now, and I've shared the I've shared the link to this, and uh, someone in the Discord just said that you sound a lot like Andrew Klavan.
1: Uh So I, just, I'm not sure if I should be insulted by that or not.
0: Yeah, I I was I was gonna I, I I was just typing. I'm not sure if, you, if Josh, I, well, well should just, just you're you're kind of the. I don't even know how to classify you politically. You're you, you're your own. Person. I'm
1: a old line paleo conservative Catholic reactionary nationalist. Uh, I don't know how you can can get uh, sum that up, but they're, they're, I, like, I like I like Huey Long and Richard Nixon. Oh, uh, we'll put it that way. But yep. So
0: uh, to. To Kana in the uh, in the Discord, there there you go. That's the best way to describe uh, Josh. So, um, but yeah, I, I actually think that we should bring I think we should bring caning back, and I think we should bring duels back too. My, since we're talking about favorite episodes of Amer- of American history, um, I love the uh, the duel between uh, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. I think we brought
1: duels back. Uh, a lot of problems will be solved. So. Well, that's just what came to mind to me when Gabe was discussing the fact that we've come to the point of having the shutdown because it, you know, I'm not saying we're necessarily on the road to another civil war, but you know, I, I, it is, you know, we might have to dedicate another episode just to this topic, but the, the culture has become so radically different as Gabe and I talked earlier where I'm from and, and, and council bluffs, uh, if you go there, even though it's not in the South, we have Confederate flags literally everywhere. And <laughs> Steve King has one on his desk and some ignorant reporter from New York says, oh, uh, why does the why does the senator from Iowa have a Confederate flag on his desk? It must mean he's a white supremacist racist. It has nothing to do with that. You just have no clue what the local culture is around here. Uh, and that's the, the kind of thing that leads to where you have these kind of such intense divisions where you, you get things like the caning that happened because they, you have these, you have these progressive liberals in these big cities uh, in New York and California who think that the entire country needs to be exactly like them. And they refuse to just allow places in the South or in the middle of the country, uh, like, uh, in my home state, Iowa, where I live now in Nebraska, they refuse to allow us to just live our lives the way we want to here in peace. They try and come and force their ways on everybody, and I, I and, and they have no understanding for life around here the way it is. For a lot of people, and myself included, that flag doesn't stand for anything but states' rights. So it, it's it's just kind of a, it's a joke. It's a joke, and and that's that's where you get to this this almost you know men are from Venus and women are from Mars kind of deal. Where you have people in different regions of the country who, who don't feel like they're both citizens in the same country
2: well, and I think it 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 makes a mockery of of every presidential candidate running around saying they're going to be president of for every American fundamentally, you can't be anymore yeah. because the cultures are so drastically different. I mean, can you imagine Kamala Harris representing? You know, southeastern Iowa, where where Steve King is from, because I can't.
1: No, nope. I agree with you completely.
2: So, I mean, I I think at at a at a fundamental level, this intel. I mean, the shutdown is a symptom. It's it's not a cause, but at a fundamental level, until America, in whatever form they they deem it to it necessary addresses this issue it's it's just going to get worse and it's going to manifest itself in ways like this shutdown um and and immigration is is probably the the hottest button is probably the the most hot button topic um as a, as a symptom of this but but the root cause is just that america Uh, uh, to do a shameless plug here, I think America has basically become ungovernable. I I think there are too many differences in this country that, that make it impossible to govern it as a single leader.
1: Well, we've, I've kind of discussed this, I think on this show before, and it's, it's where you get to the point in a country's history where, you know, there are some ideas that can coexist with one another but then there are other ideas which are philosophically they're, they're coming from very base, very ground level kind of cornerstone worldviews from which you you view everything else. You're, if, you know, if those two things aren't aligned, if you have these two worldviews that are fundamentally opposed to one another, those are the kind of ideas where two of them are not going to be able to exist peacefully in a single space, and that's where you get these periods in history where they both kind of walk into the room and everybody knows that only one of them is going to get to stay in that room. And the other one's either going to die or it's going to go somewhere else. It's going to be forced out. So that's sort of, you know, I I don't like using such, such blunt language there, but that's the way it is.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I also love this notion too that, Oh, can't we all just, just get along and, I wish we could get back to the days where things were civil. I mean, yeah, I, I I certainly hope we can get back to the days of having civil disagreement and civil discussion. But the fact of the matter is, nowhere in our nation's history have we um, have we had kumbaya ever. Um, and well, this this I, kind of nostalgic look that we that we have is just kind of beyond me because we never we never have to begin with.
1: Ever. I think, I think Gabe summed it up really good in our group chat earlier. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase him if not outright just kind of take a different a different phrase or a different point with the same meaning. But you know, if if you and I can't agree whether or not Bruce is some Bruce Jenner is either a man or or he, 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 there there's only one gender. It doesn't matter that he went and he got his gender changed. He's still well, a man. he's, yeah, funny, he's, he's, he's still, still a man. man. If you and I can't agree on something like that, then there's very slim chance that we can agree. You know, that's, that's a very base thing to disagree about. You know, it's like saying, oh, well, I think the sky is black and you think the sky is blue. Only one of us can be right. And and it's not going to you You can't you can't make a compromise on something like that. Well, 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 well.
0: Can I, can I ask can I ask you guys something real quick? You You guys are going to laugh, but. Do you guys think that we went to the do you guys think that we actually put a man on the
1: moon? Yes. I mean, yeah. I guess I guess I have no reason to doubt it, so I'll go ahead with it right now anyway. Okay,
0: because I because I've I've had moon landing conspiracy theorists uh invade, invade my channel chat not tonight, but in the past they they have, they have. So I just wanted to make sure that we could all still agree on that because even in 2019, we 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 can't even seem to agree
1: on. Um, well, Sam, you you me and Gabe might be able to agree on that, but I just saw a news story the other day where the Russian space agency actually came out and said they were going to do a stu- they were going to do a study to determine whether or not we actually landed on the moon. So we oh. know that they disagree with us.
0: Oh, please. Oh God, no, Josh! You, what what did you just do? You just gave the moon landing freaks more ammunition to use against me. So, well, no, uh,
1: of course, of course, they're going to they're going to question that they lost. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I just thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when I saw that a few days ago.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll I'll send you guys. Uh, clips in the uh american watchman facebook chat so you get so you guys know what i'm talking talk now it's been a hell of a few couple weeks but yeah i mean but like i said at this point we can't even agree that the moon landing happened or that the earth is actually round what because flat earthers have become a thing again
1: <laughs> again
0: sure so, yeah yeah
1: i'll I'll just this is my closing thought on this before we move on or we or we start wrapping things up but i've mentioned my friends from new york a few times on here and i've mentioned how uh they like my friend from california seem like people from mars to me but uh they are uh adamant and and i'll mention we can't really talk politics because you know that there's just too much disagreement there and things quickly go downhill so we usually just talk about men'swear. that's what because the, they own a a shop that sells that classic vintage British men'swear over there, and that's what we usually talk about. But I follow them on Instagram and so I see their stories which sometimes inevitably include political things and uh, or or cultural kind of things. And despite the fact that they're both adam and atheists and they'll mock me for you know being a, a Catholic and believing in in the Eucharist and all that, they uh, earlier this evening, right before we went on the air on the podcast. They were uh, gushing over their tarot card readings. So I, I, I mean, the you know, two thousand a two thousand year old religion that millions of people have believed in, and which there is and which there is credible evidence for, uh, is apparently a hoax according to them. But you know, some little magical tarot cards that are open to interpretation are are, are totally legit. I yeah,
0: mean, well, yeah, yeah, well, th- well, there you have it. So, I mean, that's what the world has permitted to come in come to at this point. So all
2: right. So final thoughts circling us all the way around. Uh Josh, do you think we'll get a border wall?
1: Oh uh, within the first term?
2: Well I mean do you think the shutdown will end with us getting a border wall?
1: Um I wanna say I hope that it, it, it ends with us getting the funding for it or at least getting it started. Um I, I want to hope that we get it. I don't know if we actually will, because the way things are going, I just I'm 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 kind of just I don't really know what to expect because we're sort of in uncharted territory. It seems like, like you said, where it might go to the point where people buck leadership, but I don't really see how it ends right now. Period. I would hope that they give us the money to get started on it, or that we can reach some court sort of agreement where we can get the wall. But the thing is, for me anyway. The the only kind of compromise that I can kind of see some wanting to do is, well, we'll allow so many illegal aliens to stay here. Or we'll grant so many work visas or whatever in exchange for the, the, the wall money. Well, then that sort of negates the whole point of the wall if you're just letting everybody who's here already stay here. So to me, that would be an unacceptable compromise. I want us to, to get them out, the people that are here illegally, and get the money for the wall. I don't see how we're going to get that agreement, though, so... That's I, I guess that's my closing thought on it.
0: Yeah, I would. I'm kind of with 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 Josh. I mean, at this point, I've I'm kind of jaded of uh, of politics just in general. Um, I mean, it doesn't really seem like we're going to get a a wall a wall at this point. I I hope I hope we do. I think I think Trump is going to try his damnedest, but I think there's just i I hope he stands strong and holds his gun, but I don't I think the other uh Republicans won fortunately, cave under the pressure like they like they always do um, so yeah. Uh, I'll say, I,
2: I think, it. it I, like I said before, I, I think it'll, I, I, well, I don't think we'll get the funding for the wall. I think there'll be some sort of compromise that pops up from membership and leadership goes along with it, but I don't think fundamentally it will address the issues that are that are dividing this country. And I think it'll get worse before it gets better.
1: Yeah, and To kind of bring it back to my realignment theory. It does seem like uh the new the real new divide in politics isn't so much and, and we saw this a lot with Tucker Carlson who I'm hoping we can discuss next week maybe, but it's not really so much left versus right anymore as it is whether you're somebody who is open or closed or whether you're a nationalist or a globalist at this point. Because do you like like Gabe said, the fundamental questions are what does it mean to be an American? Or, you know, since this is happening kind of all over the Western world what does it mean to be a citizen of a country of a nation state uh, or so that, that's that to me, you know, I think, I think that's become the new defining question of our time and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Like Gabe says.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I, I, I completely agree with what, what you guys said. I really don't have anything else to uh, I really don't have anything else to add onto that. I think, you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head with that last statement. So,
2: so we're at that thank you Cleveland, good night stage.
0: Yeah, or I guess, uh, or <laughs> or I guess, uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, who is playing in the Super Bowl anyway? At this point, I don't even know. So, well,
2: we're not at the Super Bowl yet, Sam.
1: Do we, do we even know? <laughs> For once, I wasn't the one who was ignorant of these things.
0: <laughs> After Dallas lost yesterday, and I'm not even a Dallas fan, but they're like my second favorite team. Um, I, um, I just tuned out. So yeah. Well,
2: uh, there's the Pats and the, there's the Patriots and the Chiefs, and then there's the Rams and the Saints.
0: So good night from New Orleans, I guess. Yeah, there you so. go. So, uh, anyway, folks, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I don't know. We may have this on my channel from now on because we're getting some more viewers over here, but, uh, if you would like, I'll, I'll create a short URL to the American Watchmen YouTube channel so that we can get some more subscribers over there. And, uh, as always, we'll have the podcast of this up on Apple podcasts. I'm going to start doing that this uh, year again. So, um, Anyway, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. And uh, thanks to all the uh, people who are tuning in live to uh, watch us. Uh, From all of us here at American Watchmen, good night, God bless, and God save this great nation.